GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, more than 330 agricultural companies and organizations have exhibits at the Western Canadian Crop Production Show this week in Saskatoon. We'll hear from Chuck Penner with Left Field Commodity Research. He provides the market updates for wheat and canola. Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt is also commenting on Crop Production Week in Saskatoon. He says it's a great show for farmers to attend. He will also comment on the amount of snowfall the province has received thus far. And he'll also talk about the club root distribution map, which was released yesterday. The executive director of the Swine Health Information Centre suggests the development of an effectively commercial producible vaccine that can be differentiated will be a key part of any effort to eradicate African swine fever on this globe. We'll hear from Dr. Paul Sundberg about that. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. More than 330 agricultural companies and organizations have exhibits at the Western Canadian Crop Production Show this week in Saskatoon. As well, growers are getting updates on current grain markets and what could be in store for the upcoming months. Chuck Penner is with Left Field Commodity Research. He provides the market updates for wheat and canola. Starting off with wheat, there's plenty of concern about the potential condition of the U.S. winter wheat crop. I talked to some people down in the States, and boy, oh boy, they're really worried. I mean, there's always this thing, well, you know, you try to kill the U.S. wheat crop in November, and then it comes to spring, March, when it comes out of dormancy, and everything's fine again, so you really can't tell. But the conditions going into dormancy were the lowest they've been ever. Then you had a hard frost with little snow cover. The problem is, is that when you have a dormant wheat crop, it's pretty hard to tell how bad that damage is. So we don't know. And there are parts where they planted into the dust and the crop didn't even germinate. So what's going to happen with that? What's that going to do? All of those kind of things. And that's the hard red winter crop in the U.S. That's in serious trouble. The other area of the world under scrutiny is the Black Sea region. One of the estimates that I saw, it's only about 60% of what they normally plant in terms of their winter wheat crop. And they're really not set up to plant a whole lot of spring wheat either. But even then, even if they were to substitute with spring wheat, it'll be lower yielding and so on. We think uh, Canadian spring wheat acres are going to be up this year. We think there's room for it to go up, you know, maybe 4 or 5% or something like that, which is pretty significant in terms of wheat. But there still are dry areas. And uh, you just hope that we'll get lots of rain in March and April and, and so on. But there's really no cushion for production problems next year. Uh, one of the questions I always have is, uh, and... and We've got the data, so I just have to run it sometime. If we need to replenish global supplies of wheat, you really need every country to have a pretty good crop. How often does that happen, where every major exporting country has a good crop? Well, and we already know that the U.S. is in trouble. Ukraine won't be it. 
So how much will the other countries need to compensate to make up for those losses? So the bottom line is, it sounds friendly to me, and I'm not going to try and guess a price um, because that would just be pure guessing, uh, but it sounds friendly to me for next year. Penner is forecasting a 3 to 5% increase in spring wheat acreage in western Canada. As for canola, Penner is forecasting a 3% increase in western Canada canola acreage. While he's not making any price predictions there, Penner did make these remarks on the current situation. We see big swings, we see big volatility day to day or week to week, but it still seems to be stuck in that eight to $900 range. So is that good? Is that overvalued? Is that undervalued? If you believe or if you hold to the truth that, that the market knows better than any of us individuals, it's properly valued. And so we are moving canola. Uh, we're exporting canola at those prices. So I would say it's it's probably correctly valued. If we see some changes, though, in next year's global picture, especially if we see changes, particularly in some import policies by China uh, toward Russia, toward Australia, uh, things like that, it could be that the Canadian canola won't be valued quite as highly. But again, new crop bids in $17, $18, right? Uh, so how do you argue with that? Penner says domestic canola crushers will continue to purchase their 10 million metric tons per year, but there will be fewer exports. Japan, Mexico and the United States will continue to be the main buyers of Canadian canola, but the question mark is China. The Chinese pretty much stopped buying canola in March, but started purchases again in November. We had almost gotten used to this idea that China is just not using canola much anymore. And then their November import data came out and it was uh, 470,000 tons or something like that. Again, mostly Canadian. Okay, well, let's not write off Chinese demand too soon. So they are still wanting to buy. I think what will happen is that because if that demand increase continues or those strong demand continues, they will start to make moves toward allowing other origins in. And and I think particularly of Australia uh, with its record uh, canola crop. Penner says Australia and the United States are both increasing canola production. There's a record crop this year of uh, 7.3 million tons in Australia. That's something that we will need to get used to because not only is it a is it a record this year, there have been multiple years where production has ticked higher. So it's not just a one-year wonder, uh, it's part of a trend toward increased production. That doesn't mean it'll keep going like that, but it's not going to go back to production of 4 million tons or, or that kind of thing, um, especially with prices where they are right now. Uh, when we look at the U.S., they also had a record crop, but you can see if you, if you look over the 10 years or the 12 years that are on this chart, it's trending higher as well, too. Their biofuels policies are going to push more domestic production toward canola as well. Moving on to rapeseed production in the Black Sea region. Ukraine had a pretty good crop. They were able to, because they planted it before the war started, it's winter rapeseed, they planted it before and were able to get most of it off. So they came in with a pretty good crop. And then, of course, Russia is boosting production. So not just a one-year wonder, but a trend. Uh, So that continues. So the global marketplace for canola is changing as well, too. Not to the same extent as flax, but 
Canada isn't going to be the 80% influence over the market. It's going to be maybe the 60% influence over the market, uh, that type of a thing. So there are more pieces to the global canola puzzle than there used to be in the past. Chuck Penner is with Left Field Commodity Research. He provided the canola market outlook yesterday at the Western Canadian Crop Production Show in Saskatoon. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 Ag Review. A year after beginning to explore the idea, votes at yesterday's annual general meetings of both the Saskatchewan Winter Make That Wheat Development Commission and the Saskatchewan Winter Cereals Development Commission will see the two groups amalgamate into one. Joining forces means that savings on administration can be directed towards longer-term projects such as research and marketed development instead. Over the past year, an online consultation process showed that approximately 95% of producers were on board with the idea of amalgamating. With a target date of August 1, 2023 set for amalgamation following regulatory approvals, the new Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission will then assume the mandate for winter wheat, fall rye and winter triticale, including research, advocacy, market development, grower relations, and communications activities, in addition to the current mandate of Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission for Spring Wheat and Durham. Gordon Bacon, the former CEO of Pulse Canada and the Canadian Special Crops Association, has been recognized for the innovation and value he has brought to the pulse industry. Bacon was presented with the Pulse Promoter Award at the Saskatchewan Pulse Growers Annual Meeting in Saskatoon yesterday. The award recognizes individuals who have made a significant contribution to the development of Saskatchewan's pulse industry. Along with his 24 years spent as CEO for Pulse Canada and 16 years as CEO of the Canadian Special Crops Association, Bacon has also been an active member of the executive of the Global Pulse Confederation since 2001 and now serves the GPC as Director of Food Systems. As part of a national and global pulse leadership group, Bacon worked to have the United Nations declare 2016 as International Year of Pulses and a UN designation of World Pulses Day each year in February. The Manitoba government's agricultural crown land lease and permit auctions will be held online February 6th through the 10th. Leases and permits are available to farmers and ranchers to provide additional land base for agricultural activities. A number of agricultural crown land parcels will be available to rent for haying, grazing or cropping. Last fall, the Manitoba government introduced a temporary rent reduction for forage leases on agricultural crown lands. The reductions will be in place for the next three years, with a 50% reduction in 2023, a 33% reduction in 2024, and a 15% reduction in 2025. The temporary rent reduction will allow land productivity to recover from multiple years of extreme moisture.
Speculators in ice canola moved back to a net long position in the futures market to start the new year. According to the latest Commitment of Traders report from the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission, the net managed money long position in ICE Futures Canola came in at 6,805 contracts on January 3rd, a swing of about 9,500 from the previous week's net short position on a combination of short covering and new longs going on the books. Open interest in the canola market increased by 1,346 contracts during the week to 223,841. At the Chicago Board of Trade, the managed money net long position in soybeans increased by about 13,500 contracts, coming in at roughly 143,000 contracts. The corn managed money net long position increased by roughly 36,000 contracts to about 200,000. For the second time in three years, Alberta is Canada's top potato producing province. In 2022, Alberta farmers produced 26.8 million hundredweight of spuds, according to Stats Canada data. This includes an average yield of 375.9 hundredweight per acre. Farmers in Prince Edward Island, which is usually Canada's potato capital, produced 26.6 million hundredweight in 2022. The average yield in PEI was 324.8 hundredweight per acre last year. Manitoba farmers rounded out the top three with 26.1 million hundredweight of potatoes produced in 2022. Potato fields in Manitoba averaged a yield of 329.8 hundredweight. And a past president of the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association has passed away. Harold Martins was 81. He was Reeve of the Arum of Excelsior, Agriculture Minister in the Divine Government, and served as Deputy Opposition Leader. He retired from politics to return to ranching and later served as President of the Saskatchewan Stock Growers from, for three years, from 2011 to 2014. And that's the Ag Review portion of our program. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. We have some very light snow and minus 13 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. As you heard, Crop Production Week is being held in Saskatoon this week. Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt says the show is an important place to showcase the latest in farm supplies and equipment. And he says it's a good show for farmers to attend. It's a fantastic show. It has been. And I think it just shows in the numbers, too, when you see the uh, participation increasing. And these are farmers from right across the Prairie Provinces. There's a large number from Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba that attend. And they attend because of the show. The show is a good show that really shows uh, improvements in technology, improvement in crop development. And I think the, other, the biggest thing is is that farmers get to talk to other farmers, and that's what they want to do. And that, that's where you're starting to see best practices. That's where you're starting to see new technologies and, and significant changes in the way we're uh, doing the day-to-day operations. Obviously, 
We talk about Saskatchewan farmers around the world, about our sustainability and our environmental uh, stewardship of land and the way we do things in crop rotation and continuous cropping and zero till. So it's a great opportunity for everybody to network and get together. And it also allows the business community an opportunity to reach out to farmers and say, you know, here's what we can offer, here's what we're doing, and how it'll work in your operation and your day-to-day uh, working environment. So. It's, a, it's really a great show, and I think the numbers show that the crop production people, the people that put this show on, are doing the right thing. He says the show is a great opportunity to check out the latest technology available for the farm. That's right, and, uh, and a lot of that technology is developed right here in the province of Saskatchewan. And you look at a lot of the major agriculture manufacturing is done here, so they get to showcase their research, or it's done in Western Canada, so they get to showcase this research really talk to the farmers and explain to them why they're doing it and and why the farmers are looking at these new technology changes and what it does to improve their environmental footprint uh, on their soil and that's every farmer wants that they want healthy soil and what can they do to improve it so this is really a showcase that really allows that opportunity for the business community to meet with the farmers here uh, right across western canada merit is hopeful that the snowfall so far this fall and winter will help alleviate drought conditions across much of the province. Well, I think there's still some parts of western Saskatchewan that obviously need a fair amount of moisture yet. I know at home we've had some good snow there. We had rain, uh, believe it or not, in January, a significant amount. I know I talked to a friend of mine out west in the Gull Lake area, and they had, you know, close to an inch of rain. So, uh, you know, I think we're seeing some significant snowfall and moisture happening. Do we need more? Yes, we do. And hopefully, I mean, it's only January. Usually we always get some good snowfall in the spring. Unfortunately, right through calving season seems to be the the high tide where we get it. But hopefully we'll see some moisture fall here between now and spring planting. And he also commented on Saskatchewan's club root distribution map released yesterday. Well, obviously, we know what club root can do to producers and the impact it has on them. And that's really why we're engaged in this. It's important for us. You know, canola is a strong market for us. Obviously, that is showcased by what the, you know, the business community has done in the investment here in the canola crush side. So really, it just allows us an opportunity to work with the farmers in the areas that we're, where we're seeing club root and allowing our plant health officers to go in and work with the farmers. And that's really what this is. This is building a relationship with the farmers to help, uh, you know, eliminate any uh, outbreak or any other uh, spreading of club root. And, and that's really what it is. It's not a, a policing exercise. It's none of that. It's actually working with the farmers and, so that we can uh, work with them to make sure that they don't uh, have club root and make sure that it doesn't spread. And that's what I've always said about the program. It's really working hand-in-hand with the farmer to uh, mitigate any spreading. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt. It's time now for the livestock market conditions and their presentation of Heartland Livestock in Verdon. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 157.87. That's up 12. April live cattle trading at 161.77, up 25. March feeder cattle trading at 186.42, up 12. April feeder cattle trading at 190.55, down 7. 
February lean hogs trading at 79.65, down 115. April lean hogs trading at 89.70, down 110. And that's the livestock market conditions. Please stay tuned. GX and Agriculture returns right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. The executive director of the Swine Health Information Center suggests the development of an effective commercially producible vaccine that can be differentiated will be a key part of any effort to eradicate African swine fever. Dr. Paul Sundberg outlines the key developments in African swine fever over the past month. ASF continues in Eastern Europe, and I think that's probably one of the, that's one of the areas that's really of very high interest. Um, uh, African swine fever has broken in Czechoslovakia, which was previously negative. It continues to move in Poland, and it continues to um, cross over into the border into Germany. Um, during, there's some still some movement of the virus around Germany, um, and especially in their uh, feral pigs, in their wild boar. But those wild boar are a risk for commercial production, and there are sporadic outbreaks of commercial production in Eastern Europe as well. So um, that's something that has been of high interest. The National Pork Board put together a an investigation team that had pork producers and veterinarians from the U.S. as well as um, uh, officials from the USDA go over and visit um, Eastern Europe. They talked to uh, the Polish producers. They talked to Germany and Germany um, government. They talked to Danish uh, producers and government. They've looked at that whole area to see how they are managing African swine fever there um, to try to learn the lessons that um, they're going through to help us be better prepared to prevent ASF and also be better prepared to respond to ASF should it get to North America. He says we're a long way from eradicating African swine fever in Europe. That would be a very long-term program. One of the one of the very big um, challenges that we have is still not having a producible, a commercially uh, producible vaccine that can be used for ASF that is effective, it's safe, as well as it can be differentiated uh, as a, a vaccinated pig could be differentiated from a pig that had a, a wild virus infection. Those are still uh, aspirational goals for ASF vaccine. We haven't gotten there yet. There are prototype vaccines that are under development. There's one in um, Vietnam that is being tested, but even that vaccine is not able to be produced at a commercial um, scale at this point. It still has very limited production capabilities, so it's not going to be widely available, and it, it will most probably be a, a vaccine that could be used only regionally or within Vietnam in that area at least. So getting eradicating ASF in Eastern Europe as well as in other areas around the world um, still is very much aspirational. It still is of high interest, but I think we're a long ways away from that. 
Sunberg says North America is very fortunate that African swine fever hasn't reached here yet. Yeah, for North America, we, we remain African swine fever free. For the Western Hemisphere, though, we have African swine fever on the island of Hispaniola in the Dominican Republic and in Haiti. And so all of these issues, whether it's Eastern Europe, whether it is China, Southeast Asia, or um, the Dominican Republic or Haiti, I think um, they all put pressure on North America for the entry of that virus. Um, the, the wider the virus is out in the, in the world, the more the virus is spreading and the higher the concentration of that virus around the world um, means more risk and more pressure on North America, more risk of introduction and getting it into the North American continent. It's going to be on the Dominican Republic and on Haiti for a long time. We aren't going to be able to, uh, they aren't going, Haiti and the DR are not looking, even though they're trying to get control and eradication programs, the reality is that it's going to be on that island for a long time. And all of those things put more and more pressure on to the, the possibility of introduction into either the U.S., Canada, or Mexico into North America. We have to stay on our game and we have to make sure that we do everything possible to keep that virus out of, out of North America. He adds hog producers can get more information on African swine fever if they so desire. Well, one thing that we do is every month the Swine Health Information Center puts out a um, newsletter. And part of that newsletter is a report of not just African swine fever, but also other pathogens, other swine diseases around the world. Foot and mouth disease, classical swine fever, PED, there have been PERS and other disease reports um, that are part of our international disease monitoring report that comes out in conjunction with our newsletter. So if anybody's interested in getting those reports monthly, um, they can go on to the swinehealth.org website, sign up for our newsletter, and get those reports delivered to their inbox automatically every month. If they don't want the newsletter, at least they can go on to the swinehealth.org website and see the international monitoring reports that we post monthly up there also. Sunberg then offered these final comments. The issue with state or with ASF for the U.S. and um, although there are, are different um, uh, different issues with Canada, it's a state federal industry partnership in the U.S. And for Canada, there's going to be provincial federal industry partnerships as well. But this is a real big partnership effort to keep ASF out of the country. Um, the not only do our federal agencies have a responsibility for preventing the introduction of ASF into North America, but our producers are partners in that effort as well. And they have to do everything they can do to keep ASF off of their farms should it get into the U.S. or into Canada. Um, that's a real big effort and a big responsibility. It's not just states, it's not just provinces, and it's not just federal governments that um, have responsibility to keep it out of our production, but it's also producers in North America also. Dr. Paul Sunberg is the Executive Director of the Swine Health Information Center. 
It's time now for the Commodities Update, and that's a presentation of the Yorkton Auction Centre. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading down across the board this hour. March canola trading at 845.20, down $13.40. May canola trading at 841.60, down $13.80. March Minneapolis wheat trading at 897 and three quarters, down four and a quarter cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at 8.15 per bushel, down 13 and a half cents. March Chicago wheat, trading at 7.32 and a quarter, down nine and a quarter cents. March corn, trading at 6.56 and a half, up three and three quarters of a cent. March soybeans, trading at 14.87 and a quarter, down one and a quarter cents. March oats trading at 343 and three quarters. That's up four and three quarters of a cent. And that's the commodities update. Regina-based Protein Industries Canada has opened a new round of applications for support for its artificial intelligence program. CEO Bill Gruel says Protein Industries Canada has a $30 million program it's designed to help food companies and farm machinery companies use artificial intelligence to expand production and sales of prairie-grown crops. If we back up about a year ago, the Government of Canada awarded Protein Industries Canada another $30 million to help companies implement artificial intelligence and machine learning into their business to make them more competitive. So what we launched today was a call for proposals for innovation research proposals for companies to better utilize artificial intelligence as a part of their business. He explains what it can be used for. So this could be for any business involved in the production of plant-based food. And so an example might actually be a company that does precision agriculture at the production level for helping farmers make better decisions and where they want to incorporate artificial intelligence or machine learning to help producers make better decisions. So that's an example of a project. This could also be a food company. What's interesting about what a food company could do is there's a few different organizations in Canada and North America that have built large information databases that essentially make a digital copy of ingredients, things like the flavor profile, the nutrition, the cost of ingredients. And food companies can use those data sets to create new recipes and new food products that they can go on then and test in the lab. So it really reduces the amount of time that companies have to spend trying to develop new food products. Gruel says they have a significant amount of startup cash available. We have $30 million available for companies across Canada to invest in the development of these new technologies. He notes that farm machinery companies can be eligible for the funding. Yes, absolutely. So any anybody involved in the development of plant-based food, which we all know starts on farm with the creation of peas, canola, all the commodities that are processed. So if there are agriculture companies that are looking at production companies that are looking to better utilize AI, we would look at those applications as well. 
plant breeding companies are using artificial intelligence as, as a tool to analyze the data in their plant breeding databases. So that, that's another option and opportunity as well. Gruel says artificial intelligence can be used to look at challenges concerning ingredient development, process optimization, and recipe formulation. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's something we don't often think about, but food companies are using these types of technologies every day to create products faster and to make sure that the products they're creating are meeting consumer needs. He thinks some of Saskatchewan's small farm machinery manufacturers may take advantage of this program. You know, they have to be at a right stage in their business to be incorporating artificial intelligence. But part of what we're trying to do with this program is get companies to a stage where they can use artificial intelligence. And so the very first step in the in the project, in the process, is for companies to do an AI readiness assessment. So if companies are thinking about it, we can help them look at their data, their information, their databases, their, their sources, and see if they're ready to, to use this type of technology. And as for the intake time period? I think we've got this window open for about six weeks, but we're always open to companies that have great ideas and want to talk to Protein Industries Canada. Bill Gruel is the CEO of Regina-based Protein Industries Canada. Farm Bulletin Board. The Sask Young Ag Entrepreneurs Conference last week in Saskatoon had attendance of more than 70 delegates. Event Committee Chair Carly Bodich says the event was a big success. We had an awesome conference with a great turnout and uh, speakers that were top-notch, which we expected. We covered a variety of agriculture topics, but day one we focused on ag policy with Sherilyn Jolly-Nagel. And her message was to get involved, vote, and reach out. And then following her was Jose Lemoyne, who covered HR on the farm. HR is about your people, their roles, and your operation success. And then our banquet speaker for the first day was Wayne Lee, who spoke about positive mindset and provided some entertainment by hypnotizing four of our attendees as well. Day two covered mental health with our speaker, Cynthia Beck. Her takeaways included communication and self-maintenance. And we also had a panel with three active young farmers and entrepreneurs. So those were the main speakers for our conference, as well as many sponsors who covered what's new and exciting in their company. As for attendance... We had about 80 attendees, and uh, 75% of those who registered were uh, show up, showed up. So we consider that a success. Bodich outlines the biggest takeaway that came out of the conference. I would say my key takeaway and the common theme of all of our speakers was communication. Um, and just stating that sometimes the hardest conversations to have turn out to be the most successful in the end. The Sask Young Egg Entrepreneur Conference was held last week in Saskatoon. And don't forget, GX on Agriculture is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo. Just enable the GX94 skill and choose GX on Agriculture. And yes, it is free. It's now 1 o'clock. That means it's time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, 
and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Cloudy with some patchy fog, winds north-northwest at 10 to 20, and a high of minus 9. For tonight, cloudy with a 30% chance of flurries, winds northwest at 10, a low of minus 14. For tomorrow, cloudy with a 30% chance of early flurries, winds northwest at 10, a high of minus 11, a low of minus 18. For Thursday, partly sunny at times, winds northwest at 10 to 20, a high of minus 10. For Friday, a mix of sun and cloud, a high of minus 8. For Saturday, cloudy and a high of minus 4. In the Paw, Brandon, Show Lake, Russell, and Roblin, it's minus 11 degrees. Swan River is at minus 10, Dauphin minus 12. Regina and Saskatoon minus 11, Hudson Bay minus 9, Broadview Mooseman minus 10, Indian Head minus 12, Winyard Wadena Kelvington minus 15. The Yorkton Melville region has some very light snow, a west wind at 11 kilometers an hour. 89% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 13 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 19 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.